I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Ephesians. We'll spend our time together this morning in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, walking down through verse 13. Ephesians chapter 3, 1 through 13. As we're getting ready to do that this morning, how many of you, like me, enjoy a mystery? It can be a book, it can be a TV show, it could be a movie, it doesn't really matter. You just enjoy the suspense of a mystery. You don't know what's happening, you don't know what may happen, and so you're intrigued, you are dialed in, you're trying to figure out what's going to happen. It's interesting that my experience with mystery, not understanding something and being able to dive into it, happened when I was a child. And it's maybe a bit odd, and you may think me a bit strange, but my wife's been married to me for quite a few years, and she knows what it's like, right? The O.J. Simpson trial... Some of you remember that very vividly. I remember as a child watching the white Bronco go down the freeway in L.A. I remember that. I remember the trial. I remember all of the evidence that was produced. I remember all of the details. And I was the strange kid who followed the case from the beginning to the end. Church, I had a notebook (laughs) where I would cut out newspaper articles and I would write down what I actually thought took place and I would sift through the evidence and I would walk through. I wanted to know this mystery. I wanted to solve it. I was at my grandmother's house one day and she said, Michael, that's not weird. She was trying to help me. She was trying to help me. In fact, she said, your dad did the exact same thing. And I was like, really? And she said, yes. She said, the JFK assassination. And she goes and she finds this notebook where my dad had done the exact same thing, had sifted through the evidence, had figured out that there was not just one shooter, Some of y'all are like, he's going there, isn't he? (laughs) The grassy knoll, I mean, all of those things, right? I mean, I'm part of a a men's Bible study on Wednesday mornings where we've got guys who don't think that we landed on the moon. I'm just saying, if you're new to North River Church, this is what you get to enjoy, right? (laughs) But here's the thing. For every single one of us, mystery plays an important role in our lives. We want to figure out things. We want to know how it all fits together, how these things work. And what we see happening in Ephesians chapter 3 is Paul laying out for us the mystery of the gospel, of saying to us, this is how it fits together. This is how God's plan from the beginning of creation fits together with what He's doing now. And so for us, I want to read the text and 
Then we'll walk back through it together. This is what Paul writes, beginning in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As we've been walking our way through the book of Ephesians, I told you at the outset of this sermon series that Paul does something very unique in the book of Ephesians. So Paul in chapters 4 through the end, chapter 6, is going to say, here's how you should live. Here's the practicality of living out the Christian life. Here is where the rubber meets the road for you living out what is true about you. But in chapters 1 through 3, what Paul does is says, this is who you are in Jesus Christ. Here is your identity. What Paul understands is that we must grasp our identity in Jesus Christ before we're able to live out of our identity. We need to know what Christ has done in us. We need to know who we are because of Christ's work in our lives. We need to know what it means for us to be part of the family 
of God. Paul is laying out for us. And it's interesting, it takes him three entire chapters in this letter to lay that out for us. Because here's the truth. If we're not careful, we will live out the Christian life losing sight of what is true about our identity in Christ. We'll try to muster up the energy in and of ourselves to walk out the Christian life not realizing that it is tied to what Christ has done in us. And so Paul is continuing to walk us through. He's saying to us, hey, look, here's who you are in Christ. Hey, look, here's who you are in Christ. Hey, look, here's who you are in Christ over and over and over again. He wants us to know what our identity truly is. And so as we look here once again, Paul, in just a little bit of a different way, is going to remind us of who we are in Jesus Christ. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in the text, and it's this truth. We have been entrusted with a beautiful mystery, the message of the gospel, and we have been called to share it with others. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, I want you to know that you have been entrusted with a beautiful mystery, the mystery of the gospel. Paul's going to lay out for us what that mystery looks like. Why is it a mystery? Why would he talk about the message of the gospel in these terms? Why would he frame it in this way? He's going to unpack that for us. But as we talk about the gospel, It's a message that you and I need to be clear on what we're saying. The word gospel simply means good news. And so when we talk about the message of the gospel, when the scriptures talk about the gospel, it is the good news message that you and I who are born sinners have the opportunity through what Jesus Christ did on the cross in laying his life down to pay for our sins. And through his resurrection, we can go from being enemies of God to being children of God. We can go from being dead in our sin to being made alive in Christ. That is the good news of the message of the gospel. Now what Paul says here at the beginning though is he wants us to understand first the mystery of the gospel. Notice in verse 1, Paul writes, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Paul's not using that terminology, being a prisoner in jest. He's actually a prisoner as he's writing this. We've said as we've walked through the first few chapters of the book of Ephesians that Paul has been writing back to this church that he dearly loves. In fact, Paul had spent several years in Ephesus. He had poured his life into the believers that were there. He had shared the gospel with them. He had pointed them from idol worship to the true God. And he had been run out of town for fear of his life. 
But what's amazing is the gospel has flourished in the city of Ephesus. People have come to faith in Jesus Christ. They've recognized that apart from Jesus, their lives are hopeless. But with Jesus, they have it all. And for them at this point, Paul is writing back to them. He's heard what God is doing there. He has a heart for this group of believers. And as he is writing this letter back to them, he is literally in chains. He says, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. It says in verse 2, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Listen to verse 3. Notice how many times in the next several verses this word mystery appears. Verse 3, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. God had opened Paul's eyes to the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I am where I am because of what Jesus Christ has done. My eyes have been opened to the truth. I now see how all of this fits together. He continues on. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the, once again, mystery of Christ. Notice what he says in verse 5, which was not made known to the sons of man in other generations. So this mystery that he's talking about, about the gospel of Jesus Christ, he says that this was not something that people prior to the apostles and the prophets, it wasn't something that they understood and recognized fully. It was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Verse 6, here's where... He's going to detail for us what this mystery is. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I want you to notice what Paul's doing here. We talked about it briefly last week as we looked at what it means to be part of the family of God. But Paul, once again, remember, Paul's not content with you hearing it one time. He wants you to hear it over and over and over again so that it sinks deep in your heart so that you understand the truth of your identity in Jesus Christ. He says here, this mystery is that the message of the gospel was not just for one particular group of people. If you look back in the Old Testament, you realize that early on God chose Abraham and said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to create a nation out of you that you would not believe what's going to happen as a result of this. And throughout the Old Testament, the people of Israel were God's chosen people and God promised to bless his people as they walked with him. And God promised that through his people, he would send a Messiah, a Savior, who would save his people from their sin. God's promise to his people was fulfilled when he sent his son, Jesus Christ. I want you to notice that Jesus Christ came through 
the lineage of the Jewish people. And so early on, as Jesus Christ is preaching, as he is leading his ministry out, and as he is seeking to help people understand the truth of who he is, there are a group of people that think maybe the message of the gospel is only for the Jewish people. Maybe it's just for them. And it excludes everyone else. No one else can partake of the message of the gospel. It's just for them. But here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, no, 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 no. Here is where the curtain is pulled back. Here's what the Lord has helped me understand and recognize and see. Is that the message of the gospel, yes, it came through the Jewish people. But it was for all people said last week, regardless of race, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of any of the other determining factors that the culture would seek to group us into, what we recognize and understand is that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are made one people. And Paul says here, that is the beautiful mystery. What's interesting is, it's no longer a mystery. It's just the way it is. Paul says we used to not be able to see this, but now we see this clearly. Look what he says in verse 6. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Notice that. Paul writing this as a Jewish man who was trained under the greatest Pharisees of the day, who has met Jesus Christ, whose life has been transformed by the gospel. Paul says the message of the gospel is for anyone to believe. For Jew and for Gentile, it's for everyone. Here's the good news. Anyone who places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation can be saved from their sins and made a fellow heir with Christ. That is the message of the gospel. Not only does he say that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, but he says they are members of the same body. Hear me in this. I said this last week. It bears repeating once again. There, for us who are Christians, for us who have trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, nothing is more important than that in our lives. Nothing supersedes the gospel message of Jesus Christ changing our life. You say, Pastor, why is that important? Because I told you last week that our culture is doing everything it can to separate us out into certain groups and to cause us to look at other groups and say, we don't like you. I want you to hear me. As a follower of Jesus Christ, every other believer that you come into contact with is part of your family. 
They're your brother or your sister in Christ because of what Christ has done. They are fellow heirs. They are members of the same body and they are partakers, he says here, of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. At the cross, the ground is even. None of us are preferred more than someone else. When Jesus Christ saves you from your sin, he doesn't look and say, hey, you make more money than someone else. I'd rather have you on my team. Doesn't do that. He doesn't look and say, you've got a better job than someone else, a little bit more influence. I'll take you instead of that person. I don't know if you ever remember that in recess growing up where they started picking teams, right? Some of you didn't get picked, did you? I want you to notice that at this point in time, what Paul wants us to understand is that when Jesus Christ transforms our lives, if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, you have a family that is made up of people from all cultures and all backgrounds, all races and all ethnicities, all socioeconomic backgrounds, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. That's the mystery, Paul says, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I want you to also notice second, beginning in verse seven and walking through verse 10, Paul wants us to recognize the miracle of the gospel. Notice beginning in verse 7. Paul says of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach, to proclaim to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul says the amazing thing is not only is this message of the gospel a mystery that now has been unveiled that we can see clearly that the message of the gospel is to go to everyone, but he says here, here's the miracle in it. Paul says, God grabbed me up and said to me, you carry this message. Notice what Paul says about himself here. He says, I'm the least qualified. Don't forget where Paul was when he met Jesus Christ on a Damascus road seeking to stamp out Christianity once and for all. Seeking to put an end to the message of the gospel continuing to spread for Paul, when he meets Jesus Christ, his life is transformed and Jesus says to him, I've got a mission for you now. That is the miracle of the gospel. He says in verse 9, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Notice what he says in verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I want you to notice what just happened there. Paul says there is a miracle that has taken place in my life as the gospel has transformed it. 
Me who did not deserve to be saved from my sins, but Jesus Christ snatched me up out of my sin and transformed my life and gave me a mission to go and to share the gospel message with the Gentiles. Notice what he says here though. That message has now transferred to the church to go and to share. I want you to look at that. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ here this morning, that means you. The miracle of the gospel is that your life was transformed by what Jesus Christ did for you. But it was transformed for a purpose, and that is so that you would take part, just like Paul, in sharing the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You ask me, Pastor, why every single week do you say the word go? Why do you talk about that? Why do you talk about for us as a church family that that last word is so important for us to go and live on mission? And here's the reason why. For you and for me. If Jesus Christ has transformed our lives, that is a miracle in and of itself, but I want you to hear this. A miracle that even tops that is he says to us, now you go tell someone else about it. We just sent our students out into this world and my hope and my prayer for them is that they would give their lives to that. We're going to be a mechanic, we're going to be an engineer, we're going to be any number of things, but your vocation doesn't set aside the mission that God has given you to fulfill in your life. You can be a lawyer, you can be a banker, you can be a nurse, you can be a teacher, you can be a salesman, you can be retired, and your mission is the same as my mission as a follower of Jesus Christ to tell people who Jesus is. The miracle that has taken place in my life and the miracle that has taken place in your life needs to be shared with others. Statistics tell us that in our community right now, that about eight out of 10 people that you will interact with don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Eight out of 10. Some of you are nodding your head right now. You're like, I know them. I know that 8 out of 10. But I don't want you to lose sight that you used to be the 8 out of 10. That Jesus Christ transformed your life. And that he gives you a mission of taking the gospel message so that it can transform others' lives. So whether you're at work or whether you're at school or whether you're on the golf course or you're at the grocery store or at a restaurant, seize the opportunity to share the hope you found in Jesus Christ, the miracle of the gospel spreading throughout the world. For Paul at this point in time, he's looking and he's saying, God has entrusted to me the message of the gospel. What a miracle. And then he follows up by saying, God has entrusted the church with the message of the gospel. What a miracle. I want you to notice lastly, Paul wants us to understand 
the majesty of the gospel. What is all of this for? Why does God work in the way that he does? Why does God save sinners? Why did God pull the curtain back to help us see the mystery of the gospel message for all people? Why does He entrust it to the church to share and to proclaim? Why does He do that? I want you to notice what Paul says. Verse 11, this was according to the eternal purpose that He has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to hear me this morning. The church and the spread of the gospel through the church was not God's plan B. He doesn't look up one day and go, hmm, let's take a bunch of broken people who have their own struggles and issues, who've been radically transformed by the gospel, and let's entrust that to them. I don't know any other way to do it. It's not what he does. From eternity past, God's plan was for this to work out the way that it has. So here he says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he's realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to verse 12. In whom we, that is the church, that is believers, have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. As you look at this, you realize that the mission that we have been given at times feels like an impossible mission. That with billions of people on this planet who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, let's get more personal, eight out of 10 in our community that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The question is, how do we put a dent in that? It seems so daunting. No, 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 hear this. From eternity past, God has been working this plan out. This morning, you and I are just jumping in in the middle of what He's already doing. And for you and I, because of what Christ has done in us, He says in verse 12, we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. What is that boldness and access and confidence? It is for us to storm in our prayers the throne room of God and ask Him to work in magnificent and miraculous ways in the people's lives that we come into contact with. Hear me in this. God is already at work and God has saved you and enlisted you to join Him in what He's doing. And He says, I'm not leaving you to your own power, to your own devices, to your own skill, to your own wisdom to accomplish this. No, come to me. You have access to the throne room of God. Ask me to work. Ask me to work in your kids' lives. Ask me to work in your coworkers' lives. Ask me to work in your neighbors' lives. Beg me, pray, spend time on your knees before me. Storm the throne room of God. You have access as a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul says in verse 13, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes I like to complain. Paul was in a spot right here where he could have complained. Where he could have sat back and said, I don't deserve to be in chains. I don't deserve to be in prison. I don't deserve to have what's happening to me happen. But for Paul in this moment, he's looking and he's saying, listen, don't lose heart over what has happened to me. See, because Paul in this moment was pursuing what Jesus Christ had laid out for him. He was faithful to the mission that God had given him. And what he's concerned about for the believers in Ephesus is that they would look and go, well, maybe because Paul is experiencing this persecution, maybe because Paul is in prison for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, maybe we don't need to take this too seriously. Maybe we can shrink back from it a bit. We don't want to end up like he is. And Paul says, no, I need some more with me. I need some more in prison for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I need more who are willing to lay their lives down to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join me. Don't lose heart because of what I'm experiencing. Recognize that I would want to be nowhere else than in the center of the will of God doing what he's called me to do. Church family, it may cost us to stand on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It may cost you friendships. It may cost you a job. It may cost you to stand firm and to stand true on the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Paul says here, take heart. Don't grow discouraged. Don't grow weary. Continue to pursue the majesty of of the gospel message changing lives. I want to ask you if you'd bow your heads with me. and Close your eyes and we'll have an opportunity right now to respond to the Lord, to his word. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you came in this morning and you've never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. As we talk about being part of the family of God, as we talk about how the gospel transforms our lives, taking us from being dead in our sin to alive in Christ, maybe today you need to experience that. If that's you, I want to encourage you that as we have an opportunity to respond in just a few moments, to make your way out of your seed and down to this altar here, to grab my hand or Pastor Aaron's hand and just say to us, I need a relationship with Jesus. We'd love to share with you how to take that step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus here this morning. You've taken that important step Let me ask you this question. Have you taken seriously the mission that God has called you to fulfill? As we recognize who we are in Jesus Christ, we recognize that that is not a secret to be kept. 
that is something for us to proclaim. Just like Paul proclaimed to the Gentiles in Ephesus, we have an opportunity to proclaim what Christ has done in our lives in the sphere of influence that He's called us to. So maybe for you this morning, there's a neighbor, there's a coworker, there's a family member, there's a friend. There's a waitress at a restaurant or cashier at the grocery store that you've had an opportunity to build a relationship with and you know that they need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe during this time of invitation, you need to spend some time praying for them by name. Storming the throne room of God and asking God to give you opportunity to share Christ with them. God doesn't call us to worry about the results. God calls us to be faithful to share. And maybe for you, you need to take that more seriously this morning. Father, we ask that you would work in our hearts today. That you would remind us of who we are in Jesus Christ. That if we are followers of him, our sins have been forgiven. That we are co-heirs with Christ. We have been brought into the family of God, adopted as sons and daughters. Because of Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. God, remind us of that truth. Let it sink deep in our hearts. Let it transform the way that we live our lives. Father, if there's one here in this room, and I have no doubt that there is, that has not taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior, would you give them the courage in just a few moments to step out from where they are, to walk down this aisle, to share that with myself or Pastor Aaron, that they want to take that step. Father, would you give us as your church the boldness to proclaim the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that anyone can respond by faith and receive salvation. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and would you sing with us? You respond as the Lord leads you this morning.